All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Lesson 87. We're in the middle of the week, and we're looking through Psalms 122 and 123, specifically just Psalm 122. Kevin, yesterday we had a, we had a, a psalm, and we went through uh, Psalm 121. And what would we call it, Kevin? The Road Trip Playlist. Yeah, it was the Road Trip Playlist. All right, so this is the third Song of Ascent. Now, Kevin, if you'll go to our screen here for us, think about this picture. People are coming from all over the country. How many times do they have to come to Jerusalem? Minimum. Three. Three times. And that's found in Exodus 23, 14 through 19. So you're going to have three festivals. I just, I know it's going to sound repetitive, but let's just kind of go there. So here you have the Song of Ascents, right? And uh, they are ascending to where, Kevin? To Jerusalem. To Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is one of these cities. Uh, Tom, you had, you had been doing some study uh, with us in regards to Jerusalem. And you had found a, a verse. You remember where you found it that described Jerusalem really, really well? Is that Psalm 132, 13, 14? Psalm 132, 13, and 14. So now think about this. Everybody, at least three times, we're going to come back to this about why they're going, but three times they're coming to, you know, you can call whatever you want, the mothership. They're coming to the, the base. Like, this is where it it all started, and, and so people were excited to come. But why Jerusalem? Why the city of David? Why Zion? And well, Psalm 132, 13, and 14, it says this, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his home. Verse 14, This is my resting place forever. I will make my home here because I have desired it. Now, I have had a couple of meetings with some friends in the Dallas area, and, and rightfully so, good questions about why Israel? Why? Why Jerusalem? Like, why should we even remotely care? I think these are all valid questions. Well, because I would say this is God's home. Like, this is God's place. If you go back to verse 13, I mean, I love this image. The Lord chose this place. He desired it for his home. Like, he could have chosen Richardson, but he didn't. He could have chosen Middlebury. He, he didn't. He could have chosen Pristina, Kosovo, but he didn't. He could have chosen Moscow, but he didn't. He could have chosen Egypt. You fill in the blank. He probably didn't choose that place. He only chose one, and it was the city of Zion. He chose Jerusalem. And I like this image because when we're talking about what we're talking about, three times he has everybody in Israel, by the way, make pilgrimage. By the way, there's going to be three festivals, a minimum of age of 20 years old. I need all of you guys to come. So, Kevin, if you would, would you go to Exodus 23, 14 through 19? Three times a year, I need you to be singing. I need you to be praising the Lord. Remember, God is my helper. He's my protector. He's my keeper. And he is my preserver. I want you to have this image. Three times, this is what I'm doing in your life. And I love this. It says, celebrate a festival in my honor three times a year. I'm in Exodus 23, now verse 15. Remember, he says, observe the festival, okay, of unleavened bread. The reason I think I want to I want to just keep saying this is, is we don't understand which festival they're going up to at this time. We just know it could be one of these. And so, by the way, you're to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib because you came out of Egypt in that month. 
No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Make sure you're bringing some food. <laughs> and then he says this. Here's the other festival. Observe the festival of harvest. Okay, observe the festival of Pentecost, right? The festival of weeks. Okay, and then he says it continues on. Here it is with the first fruits of your produce from what you sow in the field. And then the last thing he says is, I want you to uh, observe the festival of ingathering, also known as, Kevin, do you remember what that one's called? Uh, the booths. Yeah, tabernacles and booths. And why is that important? Because of all that God has done. Every one of these situations, God has shown up. So three times a year, he says in verse 17, all your males are to appear before the Lord God. I want this to have the mentality because David, this is a Davidic psalm. Uh, Could I even just say a Davidic song, right? A song of ascent. There, here he is. I want everybody to come. And so David is, this is coming from his language. And if I can just go back to this picture of really quick what Tom referenced in Psalm 132, because I think this is really key. God desires to have his resting place here. Well, if that's God's resting place, why wouldn't we want to go there? You feel like you're experiencing his presence. And that's what David is saying, you guys, in in the verse two verses. And I like what uh, uh, Warren Wiersbe says. He says, hey, look, what, what you see in the first two verses is that you see David saying there is a heart for God. So on this journey, as you're singing, he says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Now, remember, if you go to the Psalm 113 mentality, it's because we're experiencing God's presence. We're experiencing God's home. And now I'm standing inside, not outside, but this journey, I'm rejoicing. You know why? I made the road trip. Isn't that the best feeling? 20 hours on the road to North Dakota and you finally make it and you're like, praise God. (laughs) You just got to like roll out. David doesn't just roll out. He's rejoicing. Why? Because he has you guys. It's so important. He has a heart for God. It's just a cool picture. And I, I think uh, for me, this house of the Lord, Kevin, what, what is he talking about? What is the house of the Lord that he's talking about? Be the temple. Yeah, it would be the temple, but not the temple that Solomon would have built. It would have been the temporary. More of the tabernacle mentality, right? There's different languages of what it would look like, but yeah, absolutely. Can you go to 2 Samuel 12, 20? It says in 2 Samuel 12, 20, then David got up from the ground. He washed, he anointed himself. I like that. Isn't that cool? He anointed himself. That's another whole theological. Changed his clothes, went to the Lord's house, and he worshipped. Then he went home and requested something to eat, so they served him food and he ate. So David actually, this was, a, this was a normal thing for David, right? To experience God's presence actually in the Lord's, the Lord's house. Now there's this big, uh, there's this kind of this theological discussion about Psalm 122 Because he says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So what he's implying is, is there are people that can't go. So he's implying, I'm thankful, I'm excited, I'm praising the Lord about what I'm doing. And yet there are some people who couldn't go because of personal reasons. So in Psalm 42, 1 through 3, it talks about that. In fact, let's go there if you don't mind. I mean, David is thankful. And I think this is really key that he gets to experience God's presence. Psalm 42, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says this. As a deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? This person has a desire, Kevin, to do what? To go. To go. To be in his presence. I want to be in God's 
home. And as crazy as this sounds, when you land in Tel Aviv and you start driving to, to Jerusalem, you feel like, and Rich, you've even said this in a video, you're closer to God's presence. Now, that, that might not be true, but man, it sure feels like it. Unless, Rich, do you think that's true? No. I, I mean. <laughs> okay, so, but here's this. I, for some reason, I can't go. Right? There's this mentality. So that's why David is rejoicing. Now, it could have been because of personal things. But, Kevin, if you go to Psalm 137, 1, 2, and 3, just to give you an idea, there's other reasons why people couldn't go. Maybe it was because of national exile. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. Verse 2. There we hung up our lyres on the poplar trees, for our captors there asked us for songs and our tormentors for rejoicing. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Have you ever experienced an incredible moment with the Lord and you long to just be back in that place? Does that make sense? Like you have this memory, this moment. It was like a touch from heaven. Well, in this case of Psalm 137, this wasn't a personal deal. This was a national deal. They could not go back to Jerusalem. And so they're just saying, hey, sing us a song. One of those songs that you used to sing. And I think it's an image that David says in verse 1 and 2, because he has a heart for the Lord, he gets to experience the house of God. Do not take it for granted. Our feet, it says in verse 2, are standing within your gates. When you walk through the Jaffa Gate of Jerusalem today, it is crazy once you're in the old city. You're just kind of like, ha this is real. The little stones, the little bricks on the ground, like this is old. They're all smooth, aren't they, Rich? Yeah, they get pretty slick. I mean, really, Psalm 91, really, is if it rains, that's for you. You don't want your feet to slip. And I just think it's an, an incredible picture. It's almost like, and I love this, what MacArthur says, and this is such a cool picture. It's almost like David has a childlike enthusiasm with these words. It's almost like a sense of near uh, unreality that creates this mood. Like, I'm here. <laughs> you know, I love when Laura, Laura's like, she's like, sometimes I think you act like you're nine years old, Kyle. You know why? Because when you experience God's presence, and she wasn't belittling me at all. She was just like, there's this inner kid in you that gets like, just giddy. It's just like, wow. And like when you go to other countries to represent the Lord and you get to speak on behalf of what the scripture says, man, it's crazy real. And I think David is like, wow, I'm here in his presence. Why would he allow me? Because he wants us to experience his presence. And so he shifts in the first two verses. It talks about this, this, this heart for the Lord, which I have to say, you guys, can I just say, if you, if you don't have a heart for Israel, ask the Lord to give you one. Because in Romans 15, 27, this is so important. Romans 15, 27 says, if you're a Gentile, you have received a spiritual benefit. In fact, it says this, yes, they were pleased and indebted or indebted to them. For if the Gentiles, that'd be you and I, have shared in their spiritual benefits, we have actually received a spiritual benefit from the Jewish people, then they're obligated to minister to Jews in material needs. We have, because of Jesus being Jewish, the scripture says, guess what? We are obligated to take care of the Jews. Bless them. No strings attached. Because we believe we have received salvation of the Jews. And so what I think is really interesting is, is if you don't have a heart for Israel, ask the Lord to give that to you because it's really your roots. Your roots are this location. Please don't discount Israel anymore that they don't have a future. Please don't discount Jerusalem as the home of God. According to this verse, Kevin, it's forever. And so what I love in verses three, four and five 
is that it goes from a heart from God to a heart for praise. Now, remember, the context of this is, Kevin, they're doing what? They're singing. They're singing on their way. And so there's this heart for praise. In verse three, it says this. It says, Jerusalem built as a city should be, solidly joined together. Now, Kevin, in the time of David, right? I mean, it wasn't that big of a city, but how, how did David get the city? Well, they snuck in basically through the walls in an aqueduct type thing yeah. to capture it. So it was, it was known as a tough to capture city. Can you go to 2 Samuel? I want to read this. 2 Samuel 5, 6 through 10. 2 Samuel 5, 6 through 10. Scripture says, The king and his men marched to Jerusalem. Okay, this is David. Uh, against the Jebusites who inhabited the land. And the Jebusites had said to David, uh, You will never get in here. I mean, they're talking about Jerusalem. Another name is Jebus. You'll never get in here. Even the blind and the lame can repel you, thinking David can't get in here. In verse 7. Yet David did capture the stronghold of Zion, the city of David, verse eight, he said to that day, he said that day, whoever attacks the Jebusites must go through the water shaft to reach the lame and the blind who are despised by David. For this reason, it is said, the blind and the lame will never enter the house. Verse nine, David took up residence in the stronghold, which he named, I love it. Hey, he named it after himself, the city of David. He built it up all the way around from the supporting terraces inward. And then finally, in verse 10, David became more and more powerful and the Lord God of hosts was with him. So David and his men clearly captured the city, Kevin, by fighting. They came in with this battle. And then he says in verse three, it's built as the city should be solidly joined together. He says in verse four, where the tribes, Yahweh's tribes, talking about the 12 tribes, where the 12 tribes go up to give thanks to the name of Yahweh. This is an ordinance for Israel. I mean, this is such an incredible picture. here. Like God's command you're being, you're being commanded to go up three times. We've already talked about this. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to give thanks for God giving us this city. This whole giving thanks mentality. I just, I don't want to pass this really quick. Scripture just talks about this and it's, it's talking about making a public declaration. You're giving a public statement and you're saying, praise God, we thank you for giving us this place. So you have a heart for God and then at the same time, you have a heart for, for praise. I don't know what it is, but there's something about um, that praise mentality that if you view this, remember we talked about the differences of how, in Psalm 119 about how, how, how do people believe? If you're a legalistic believer, you actually really don't get into the praise. But if you view this as a servant and a guide for you, you actually see it as freedom. And so when it says sing and sing a song or dance, you actually like, hey, praise God. Why? Because you're not bound to what people think of you. You're not bound to this religion. And so David is just saying, hey, by the way, I'm giving praise because look what God has done for us. Finally, in verse five, the keep this praise mentality, it says there thrones for judgment are placed. Thrones of the house of David. You see, Jerusalem, this is kind of a cool picture here. And, and Nelson's commentary describes it this way. Not only was Jerusalem the central place of worship, but it also became the site where civil judgments and decisions were made. In other words, the religious and the civil issues truly closely intertwined in the law of God. Like This was the hub. And I think it's fair to say today, Jerusalem still serves as the hub. President Trump moves 
the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And what happens? People get excited or people hate it. By moving the embassy to Jerusalem, the United States was actually making a statement. We believe that Jerusalem is the eternal capital for the Lord. We believe that this is true. We actually believe that we want this place to be the center place of all the world. That's what we're saying. Crazy enough, not many countries are willing to say that. And I'll just tell you, it will get interesting with time. People will have their disagreements. They will actually argue over Jerusalem today. In fact, we've even heard this. The United Nations, they did a vote a year and a half ago that said the Jewish people never had the Temple Mount. Well, if the United Nations says that the Jewish people never had the Temple Mount, you know what they're saying? The word of God, the lamp to our feet, the light to our path is not relevant. That's what they're saying. And so there's this fight over Jerusalem, because really what you're saying is if you're fighting over Jerusalem, you're saying, is the word of God true or not true? That's what you're saying. It's a battle over good and evil. There's no way around this, you guys. The fight that is over this place. And right now, just so you know, uh, the, the Arabs actually, the Muslims actually can have control on this upper place of the Temple Mount. This is the Temple Mount. The Arabs actually, the Muslims actually have control of this. But the Western Wall, who has control of that, Tom? The Jews. The Jews. So you have this crazy tension. Jewish ownership of the Western Wall. Then you have the Muslims up here. Can you imagine? We've said this before. Somebody having ownership of a roof. <laughs> And when you walk out, the tension that there, there is tension. You walk into Old City, you have four quarters. I mean, it's just kind of like a, a pie. You know, it's kind of like this. And all of a sudden you have the Jewish have one quarter, the Christians have one quarter, the Arameans have one quarter, and the Muslims have one quarter. And guess what? They all want it. They basically all want a stake in their claim. And so that's the bigger picture. And so that's why it transitions to a heart for God. We want to come be in the presence of God. We want to praise God. But oh, by the way, we got to be praying. You have to have a heart for prayer. And that's where this famous verse that so many of us have heard, so many of us have prayed for. In verse 6, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Like this is actually a word from David. Please pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because by the way, everybody wants this land. Everybody wants this city. And he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you prosper. May there be peace within your walls, prosperity within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say peace be with you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your, your good. Okay, let's begin to unpack this whole praying for the peace of Jerusalem. I've heard anything you can imagine about this. Well, let me just tell you this. Uh, after David, okay, David takes over the city. David is so prophetic in what he writes because, by the way, he knows the tension here. After David came in in 2 Samuel 5 and took over Jerusalem, do you know how much fighting went on afterwards? Let me just give you some lists of, of battles. Remember the whole Saul and David deal? The whole, like, it doesn't stop. So David has these mighty men, right? And there's these special training. And then David has these constant uh, conquests, 2 Samuel 8. Then you have the, the Ammonite rebellion in 2 Samuel 12, Absalom's rebellion in 2 Samuel 18. There is this tension in Israel and even within Israel. How about Sheba's rebellion in 2 Samuel 20? King David avenges the Gibeonites. Now, not all of this might be around Jerusalem, but it's all based on Jerusalem. It's like who gets control is what really everybody's after. 
That's really what we're saying. And then the battles of the divided kingdoms between Judah and Israel. Kevin, it was nonstop. Israel's king ambushes Judah in 2 Chronicles 13. How about in 2 Chronicles 14? Ethiopian's army, greater than 1 million, attacks Judah. It's like everybody is fighting. 2 Chronicles 20. King Jehoshaphat's army of Judah, remember they worship and they sing in the face of the battle? King Ahab's Israel battles with Syria in 1 Kings 20. Honestly, you can just go through the list. And I honestly, this is going to sound super, maybe a, a too big of a picture. But I believe all of the fighting in Israel is because of Jerusalem. Everybody wants the land, but what's the heart of the land? Jerusalem. And so David prophetically even says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, Rich, you and I, we know the end story. We know that there's not going to be tangible peace in Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace comes back. There's always going to be this fighting and this tension. And so let me just kind of, I want to flip my notes over here a little bit, okay? Like this is the the mentality, okay? It's ironic that Jerusalem actually means city of peace. (laughs) But it has been fought over history more than any other city in the world. So David at that time senses it. And guess what? We should, we should really sense it as well. Look, I'm not a historian. I don't claim to know all these facts, but I did print out a list of these fights. So in 1948, okay, Israel, okay, Israel actually declares their independence. So they fought from 47 to 1949. It was the Arab armies who invaded what is now in Israel. And at that time, praise God, on May 14th, 1948, what took place? We have the nation of Israel that actually formed. Okay, so much here. But then what happened in the Six Day War? Rich, do you know enough about the Six Day War that you could share what it was? Um, yeah, it was again, it was kind of retaliation. It, I think it was Egypt that was coming at them with the Jordanians. I think they had like the Syrians. They were just starting to come and take take over the capital uh, of Jerusalem. And in six days, the Lord basically delivered um, the Jewish people from that. Then you have after the Six Day War, you guys, then you have fighting between Israel and Egypt from 67 to 70. Guess what? What do they want? Well, they want the land. It all comes back to land, whether it's Jerusalem or the land. That's what they want. Then you have the Yom Kippur War. Rich, I know you know what year that was in. Uh, That was 1973. 1973. Egypt and Syria launched the Yom Kippur War. It lasted from 73 of October 6th to October uh, 22nd, where airstrikes against Israeli targets in the Suez Canal and Golan Heights. I tell you this because, honestly, you guys, it's page after page after page after page of fighting in Israel fighting in Jerusalem, whether it's the first intifada, the second intifada, whether it's Israel and Hamas. And David says, please pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And oh, by the way, may those who love you prosper. Who's he talking about here, Kevin? He's he's talking about those that are, I mean, the context again is the people coming for the three times. So it's the Jews that are coming. It's almost like, hear me out on this. And it's almost like Genesis 12, one through three. It's almost like if you bless me, I will be blessed. If you love me, guess what? You will see and experience prosperity. And and by the way, as you walk into his presence, may you experience peace. So like if you wanted to do the whole spiritual side of this, you guys, like when you come and experience the the peace of Jerusalem, there's going to be peace within you and prosperity for your life. Like you can take it physically. And I just think as 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 a principle, you could take this spiritually. No, I'm not saying that he guarantees you prosperity or guarantees you peace. But at the same time, yeah. 
Like he wants to enrich your life with his presence. That's what I'm talking about right here. And I got to go there. We're just going to go there. Our phrase for the, the book of Psalms is the king of glory. Because we believe that all throughout the Psalms, it always points to the Messiah. Can I just tell you, I actually believe prophetically David's desire for the praying for the peace of Jerusalem is not going to come to fruition <laughs> until you see Isaiah 9, 6. Kevin, if you'll go there, please. Until, because Kevin, at this point, is this true statement? They haven't gone, they haven't uh, gone into exile. Right. And so what we believe is, is that the prince of, of peace is the answer. Isaiah 9, 6 says, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. I think this is a cool picture to me because ultimately what we're praying is, is oh, by the way, I want thy kingdom to come. And I love what Weirsby says, and he even says in Revelation twenty two twenty. by the way, even so come Lord Jesus. We're asking for the King of glory to come to fulfill ultimately the peace of Jerusalem. And that's why I love what we started off with Psalm 132. We're talking about God's, this is God's home. Guess what? Jesus is going to come back and guess what he's going to do? He's going to make Jerusalem his home. He's going to land out on Mount Zion and say, this is home. Until the Prince of Peace. So even Isaiah the prophet says the Prince of Peace is going to come. And so how do I know that Jesus is peace? How do I know that he gives peace? Man, if you go to John 14, 27. He says, this is what he says. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. So what does Jesus come? What does he give? He gives us peace. And peace actually doesn't make sense. But at the same time, Kevin, if you go to Philippians 4, verse 7. Philippians 4, verse 7, it says this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Did David have in mind peace? the Prince of Peace, when he asked for the peace of Jerusalem? I don't, I don't know. I do know this. In 2 Samuel 7, David does know that the eternal throne is going to be established through his lineage. So every once in a while, I wonder when he asked for peace to come to Jerusalem, I, I wonder if he's saying, would the Prince of Peace come now, please? Pray for the Prince of Peace to come. Now, I can't prove that, but to me, this is the only way you're going to see peace to this city. It's not going to come because we, we make a seven-year deal and the Antichrist lands a deal and for three and a half years there's no fighting, the temple is built. It, that, that's not why. That's not the peace we're talking about. We're talking about the peace that actually comes to your heart. That's the ultimate peace that you're going to see in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter how many negotiations we have. It doesn't matter how many nations. It doesn't matter how many individuals try to land deals. You can go to Colossians 3, verse 15, Kevin. And it says, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you are also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. You know, I think about David's song of ascent. He talks about a heart for God, a heart for praise, and a heart for prayer. What's crazy is, is I think that this heart for prayer is talking about the only peace that's going to come, it can come from, comes from God. And Paul even writes about this in Romans 5, verse 1, Kevin. Romans 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, we have been declared righteous by faith. We have peace, look at this, with God. 
I can't think of a better verse, you guys, that describes this image. We have peace with God. God's home, God's residence is in Jerusalem. We have peace with Him, by the way, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So for me, when I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, yes, I pray that there's no fighting. I do. I pray that there's peace and prosperity within the walls. Absolutely. But I also pray, as Isaiah said, let's pray that the the Prince of Peace comes because he's the only one that we can find peace with God through. It's Jesus Christ is the answer. (laughs) I want to just say thanks for listening today. Uh, Psalm 122, Psalm 123. There's a lot here. I challenge you guys to ask the Lord to give you a heart for this city. To give you a heart to praise him. To give you a heart to pray for this city. Because ultimately what you're doing is you're praying for the Prince of Peace to come to that community. And then when he comes to that community, guess what happens? The whole world changes. All right, guys, have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow.